Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Hey, take your sermon notes out. Let's get into the Word today. I'm excited about this message. I'm going to try to get done. My wife and I were talking, and my wife said, honey, I'm trying to be polite to you, and I'm not trying to put you down or condemn you or whatever. She said, or hurt you, but honey, sometimes you go too long. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Amen. I know, I know. Uh, But it's just that sometimes I get so much. And if you take a balloon, and a balloon can only expand a certain, a certain amount. And eventually, if you continue to blow air into that balloon after it expands to a place where it can only expand, what's going to happen? It's going to pop, right? And sometimes I feel like I'm going to pop because what happens when I, when I write my sermon on Thursday, from Thursday to now, God also puts in fill-in-the-blank things into my sermon. So that's why sometimes it goes long. But anyways, we talked about dream killers and life suckers last week. And I wanted to share a couple of things that we talked about. But before I share these couple of things we talked about, what does excuses mean? Meaning of excuses. Here's what meaning of excuses mean. An attempt to lessen the blame. That I'm excusing myself, I'm making excuses to take the blame off me. That, man, I'm, I'm going to make excuses that, hey, I, I, I did it because of this. And I, we find reasons to get the blame off ourselves. Another one is to seek or to defend or to justify. I'm going to, to justify, I'm going to make excuses of why I did this and why I did that. And I'm going to justify my reasoning of why I did it. Another one is to this release from a duty or requirement. That a lot of times we make excuses of our commitments or requirements that we make. I can't do it today. And we use a lot of times this excuse. And because we have a little hair that's out of place, what we'll maybe say is, I'm not feeling good today, so you have to excuse me. We make up little things to sometimes our commitments. But last week we talked about this. He that is a good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. We talked about that last week. A lot of excuses are rooted in fear and insecurities. Amen? How many can say what I'm talking about? Fear of the unknown, insecurities. We talked about that last week. We as individuals have become skillful at picking from a wide range of excuses to limit our capabilities. And we become selective in those things that we're going to pick and choose about, uh, what we want to do and what the things that we don't like, we're going to make excuses to not do them, right? But here I want to talk about a story in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 is a great story. A story that it's about a man that was in the wilderness. And how many of you know that God doesn't look, and you got to get this. Write this down. It's not in your notes. God doesn't look for full. He looks for empty. Because if you're full of yourself, where is God vacancy or room for God to move? God, listen, you got to get this. A lot of times where God meets you the most is in the places of your wilderness. How many of you ever felt like or, or are in a place of wilderness right now? You're feeling dry, maybe empty, discouraged, maybe feeling defeated. Man, in life right now, God is setting you up. Now, you got to get this. God is setting you up, Adam, for an encounter with him. God sets you up to a place that he can meet you in your place of wilderness, your place of being dry, 
empty or maybe in discouraged. When you are full, there's no occupancy. But when you are empty, that means there's room for God to come and fill you up. But in Exodus chapter 3, we're talking about Moses. That God called Moses out of the wilderness to do a great thing for him. And a lot of times God will call you out of your wilderness, and a lot of times you won't understand it, but God does. That's because you only see part of the plan, but God sees the whole plan. And if you walk out the plan, God will begin to unfold it. So here he is. He's now calling Moses. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Medrin, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. Now if you know anything about the wilderness, it's dry. It's man, no desolate. It's no vegetation. It's it's like a desert. I used to live by by on the border of Utah, and we used to go four wheeling or side by side UTV out there in the sand dunes there in, in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. And we would go out there, and I mean to tell you, you see sand for miles. Man, I never was used to going on those. And so when I first got on those sand dunes, I was riding a four a four wheeler at the time, and man, I was flying like I would normally around here. And I'll never forget when I was going on those sand dunes, I hit the crust of the sand doom, and I went flying, and I mean, I hit the ground, bam, and how many know that sand is actually really hard too, right, and I wiped out, man, I was hurting, man, and here we are out in the middle of nowhere, it was in the middle of the desert, and I mean, there was no vegetation, no life, no, uh, no animal or livestock or anything out there, and a wilderness is like that, so when you think about a wilderness, a wilderness maybe is like you, maybe in your place of wilderness of feeling dry, empty and discouraged, and came to Herod, the mountain of God. And he goes on to say, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now, again, if you know anything about Colorado or Utah, where I used to grow up, where I was living at and pastoring at, they have these things called sagebrushes. And what it is, it's almost like a big round bush. And it's all dried and decrupted. It's broke off at the stem of the, of the root there thing. And it's broke off, and they fly all the time. Whenever the winds come up, man, those things are flying everywhere. A lot of times you're driving down the road, you're, you're kind of in your car, and they're coming at you, and you're ducking, even while you're in the car, because they're flying at you. And they're just brown and old, rugged, just dry and, you know, just messed up, right? And uh, what they do is they're really receptive to fire. Any kind of spark can turn them on or start them on fire. And here's the same kind of picture that Moses was at. He's out in the middle of the desert. And what was happening? A bush, a sagebrush, just like in Colorado or Utah. Very easy to start on fire. So think about that. Within the bush, Moses saw that the bush was, not, was on fire, but it did not burn it up. In other words, what is wrong with this picture? Then he goes on to say, watch this. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. How many of you know that would be pretty strange, right? Then he goes on. Why the bush does not burn up. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. You know, I, I love that when Moses said, here I am. 
Who else did that when God spoke to him? Samuel. When Samuel, he was lying down, and he heard the Lord, but he thought it was Eli. So three times he went back to Eli. Yes, Lord, what do you need, Eli? Eli said, I'm not speaking. He said, go lay back down. He came back to Eli three times, and on the third time, Eli said, go back to your place where you are laying and say, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. A lot of times God will get you into your secret place or into your wilderness spot because he's got your attention. And wilderness means there's no distraction that can pull you away from God. And sometimes you're in your wilderness place in life so that you can't get distracted, so you can get a hold of something that you can start focusing on other than God. And God puts you in that place to get your attention sometimes. When you're in need, that's when you cry out. But when we're hungry and we're fed, guess what? We're not going to be like that baby who's crying that you need your diaper change. You're taken care of. But when you're in your wilderness space or place in life, that's when we usually cry out, and that's when God meets you. Then he goes on, watch this. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he goes on, verse 6. Then the Lord said, I am the Lord your God, Father of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then he goes on. He said, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Then he goes on. I love this. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hebronites, Amorites, the Pesperites, the Jezreelites, and all that kind of bites. I think of every time I read those names, I think of mosquitoes. Man, there are all kinds of mosquitoes biting me, right, when I read that, right? But then it goes on, verse 9. So he says, and now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now watch verse 10. So now go. And every time I see the word go, to me, when I see that in my Bible, I mark my word, my name right there, CJ. In other words, go to me means God on. So every time when God says go and make disciples, God on. Go with me. Go with my presence. Go with my power. Go with my spirit. God on. Go, and I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. If you know anything about that, that's incredible to me. If you have your notes, a life-changing God encounter that cannot speak false, but truth and guidance. Can you imagine? Wouldn't you want to have an encounter like that? Wouldn't that be a great man to have an encounter, to have an experience like that with God, that you would have that assurance that it is not man-made, it was definitely an encounter with God, that God spoke to me, that God responded to me, man, that I had that experience. But look at what happened. If you see this, the undeniable encounter that Moses had. Now, you got to get this. Number one, the burning an unconsumed bush. Can you imagine having that encounter, seeing a bush right in front of you, there's a flame in it, but it's not being consumed? That in itself would, man, make you think, wow, there really is a God. Then, look at this, the calling of his name, Moses, no one else. God specifically called Moses. You ever notice when God performs a miracle, what does God do? When what Elijah, man, he called Elijah. He called him, called down fire from heaven. Elijah called the fire right in front of Baal and 300 men. And God called Elijah to do that. He called him by name. Elijah, call on my name. Show that I am God. But who else did he do? 
he called forth Lazarus. You notice when he called forth Lazarus, Lazarus was in the grave. He didn't say, come out of that grave. He called them specifically by name. And when he called them by name, Lazarus came out of the grave. And what did God do? He said, Lazarus, take off those grave clothes. You know what God is? God is an intimate God. He's a personal God. When God calls you, he's going to call you by name, not someone else. If he wanted someone else to do it, he would have called that person. But he chose to call you. So remember that encounter. That is an encounter with God. Listen to this, the very presence of God. Could you imagine that Moses was in the very presence of God? Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And they were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Can you imagine? Holy means pure, pure, 99.9% .9 pure. No, that's silver. Man, God is 100% pure. Holy, that God, I'm in the presence of you where there's no darkness, sin, sickness. I'm in your presence. He felt the presence. Another one is this. Identifying him to Moses, identifying himself to Moses, that he even told him, I am the Lord, your God. You know what? There's another occasion in the word of God where God spoke to someone else. And that was Saul or Paul in Acts chapter 9. You can read there, Jim, where God spoke to Saul or Paul and Saul fell off his horse. And what did Jesus say? Saul, Saul, why does thou persecute me? And what does Saul go on to do? Saul or Paul went on to read three-fourths of the epistles that you see now in the Bible today because God called him by name. He had an encounter with God. And because of that, he had the experience. He didn't make excuses. He, man, did what God called him to do. But then here's another one. The plan and vision were given. Man, wouldn't that be great if God would just lay out the plan, everything that we're supposed to do, every T was crossed, every die was, I was dotted, that God would just lay that out for you, Dan? That he'll just lay it out for you. Here's the plan. Do we have any people that do construction here? When you do construction, what do you do? You follow the blueprints, right? You follow the blueprints. You follow what's going on. And you have to do this cut here and do that. You have to make the, And when you do what the blueprints say, the structure is going to be strong. It's the same way with you. God gives you the blueprints, and the blueprints is his plan. And sometimes we got to follow that plan to obey is better than sacrifice. But I love this. The perfect plan with God's guidance, protection, and provision. Wouldn't we all like that? Right? A plan laid out. But in Exodus 3, verse 10, let's go back there. So look at what God says. So now go. I've given you this encounter. I showed you the burning bush. I called you by name. I identified myself to you. I laid out the plan. I did all these things. I showed you my presence. Wouldn't that give you enough assurance to do that? That God, I, okay, I, you, you don't have to knock me over the head anymore. I, I, I get it, God. But then he says, I am sending you. Always remember this. God, when he directs you, he'll protect you. What he appoints, he anoints. Where he guides, he provides God will always do that if he is sending you. He never leaves you empty-handed to equip you to do that which he's called you to do. And you need to be assured of that. But I love this. In Exodus, he says this. It's, about, about, it's not about who you are. Now, you got to get this. Jessica, it's not about 
who you are. But it's about whose you are. You are a king's kid. And when you begin to understand who you really are in Christ, and when you really understand that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, instead of verbally saying it, but living it out and understanding it and really having a reality that my God is for me and not against me, and you understand whose you are, you are a king's kid. You are a royal people, people belonging to God, and you'll never let the righteous be forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. He calls you and Zechariah, the apple of his eye. You are special. And when you understand that concept, man, you can hold your shoulders high, your head back and say, hey, I'm a king's kid. And having that assurance, I love this, God will never ask you to do something he hasn't already done. He already has, he's already done it. Or send you where he hasn't already been. God will never ask you to do something that he himself hasn't done or been. God knows the best counselor. You know, we're talking about Chris, and she's getting ready to do the small group. She was over at our house the other day, and I was kind of eavesdropping on their conversation. And I was getting excited to say, man, I'm going to that class. I need some help. <laughs> right? But, Chris, you know the best counselor is one who's gone through it. And Jesus has gone through it. He's gone through it so he knows how to help you through your dilemma in life. I love this. Moses, God's God encounter, should have been filled with excitement. Man, I just had an encounter with God. Should have been, man, shouting from the rooftops. I experienced his presence. I saw the bush. He called me by name. All these things he could have got excited about, but instead... He was filled with excuses. He was filled with excuses. Watch this. Excuses steal your dreams, kill your drive, rob your pockets, and leave you empty-handed. That's what excuses do. They keep you from accomplishing or attaining the goals and dreams in your life. But here is its excuse in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Check this out. Moses said to the Lord, he interrupts God. He interrupts God because he has something important to say. How many of you ever interrupted God when he spoke to you and you had something important to say? Look what he said. Pardon your servant, Lord. Well, excuse me, God. I know you're speaking, but I, I need to speak first. Moses is trying to tell God what to do instead of God telling you what to do. Excuse me, God. Look what he said. Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. Look at the excuse. I am slow of speech and tongue. What? Are you kidding me? You just had an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I've proven myself to you, and now you're coming back with that lame excuse. If I can lead a donkey or use a donkey, can I not use you? Can you imagine that? Excuses. But it didn't stop there. Watch this. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Look at how God rebuttals what Moses is trying to say. Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? 
Look what he says. Is it not I, the Lord? But it doesn't end there. Watch this. Check this out. This is now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Again, God's not going to leave you empty-handed. He's not going to tell you to go somewhere where he's not going to equip you to do what he's calling you to do. So he says, who gave you your mouth? Who gave you your sight? Who gave you the ability to walk? Can I not fulfill and do that which I said already in you if you would just obey? But then don't stop there. Watch this. But Moses said, <laughs> check this out. This is just like another excuse. Pardon your servant, Lord. Okay, God, now you listen to me. Please send someone else. Have you ever done that before? Are you talking to Wah? Are you talking to me? No, you can't be talking to me. You got, you got the wrong person. God doesn't mix words. God doesn't waste words. He's speaking to you. He's telling you. How many excuses have we had? Watch this. Excuses. Excuses rooted in fear and security. What is yours that you think God can't fix? What is your excuse that you think God can't fix? God will never put you in a place of embarrassment, defeat, or the inability to do it. Adam, if he calls you to do it, he will equip you to do it. That's your God. He's not going to embarrass you. He's going to equip you. Excuses must be confronted, recognized, and identified to be successful in your life. Stop side-skirting what God has called you to do by making excuses. When those things start rising up, you need to confront it. Say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I can do that. Wait a minute. That's not true. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not going to make up excuses that I'm feeling bad. Hey, excuses kill my dreams. I'm going to continue. I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to do it. What kind of excuse are you doing? If you really knew who you are in Christ, excuses will disappear and dreams and goals will happen. If you really knew who you are in Christ, do you realize that you are a temple of God and God's spirit lives in you? Now, I'm a snowmobiler, and yesterday I went snowmobiling, and they say that you have to buy premium gas to put in your snowmobiles because that makes them run better. So you know what? You have to pay the extra mile, the extra to get premium gas. But I'm a cheapo. I get the cheap gas. But you know what? What they're saying is you have to put the best in you to make it run right. And guess what? You have the best in your life to make you run right. That God has put himself in you to make you the best and nothing less. He's equipped you. God's poured himself into you so that you can be blessed and be the best for him. So here, stop making excuses or breaking excuses and dream making. Let's see the steps to breaking excuses. Watch this. We talked about this last year, week. Replace your fears with faith. We talked about that last week. Faith focuses on God. Fear focuses on the problem. We talked last week about stop blaming others. Quit being Adam and quit being Eve. Eve made me do it. No, Adam made me do it. Oh, the devil made me do it. And they never took responsibility for their own actions. They kept making excuses. I can't do it because he did that and she did that. 
I didn't do it. The man at the, the pool of Bethesda, how many times did he sit there? How many years? Oh, all these people kept getting in front of me. I could never get into the pool when it was stirred up. After how many years have you been sitting at the pool and you're still making the same excuse that you can't have somebody put you in? You couldn't even roll over to that? How many excuses do we have? But I want to talk to you today. I know time's getting away. Stop. Stop saying I can't. Stop saying I can't. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 6. Jeremiah was young. The Bible says don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. Don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. You know, when I first became a pastor, I was 31 years old. And I took a church of 26 people that went through a major split and blah, 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 in my first church in Colorado. I was there a youth pastor when it was thriving. And when I left to take a church in, in, in Kenosha, it went through a major situation. So I went there. The leftovers of 26 people, and I hate to say this, were the gray heads. And when I got into the pulpit, they looked at me and they were laughing like, who's this 31-year-old punk? What can he teach me? What can he tell me that I don't already know? And they had that kind of mindset and attitude. And they were looking down on me because I was young. And I reminded them, hey, Jesus was 32 when he started. Oh, you're right. So I was glad when I turned 32. <laughs> I started earning some respect. But my point is, listen, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Maybe you're young not only in age, but maybe you're young in the Lord. Maybe you're a newborn Christian in Christ. Don't let someone look down on you because you are young. And here's what he said. Alice, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. Look what he said. I am too young. I don't know the Bible good enough. How many of you ever said that excuse? I can't do that. That's pastor's job. I can't save this, man. I can't pray out loud. All different things that we say. But look at excuses. It's not that Jeremiah couldn't speak. It's that he wouldn't speak. A lot of times, God said, you open your mouth and I'll fill it. You open your mouth and I'll fill it. I'll give you the words. Have you ever said this before? After you said something, you thought to yourself, where did that come from? Whether good or bad. I think of uh, Chicago. You're my inspiration. You bring feeling to my life. That's what God does to me. Where did that come from? He's my inspiration. Right? My inspiration. What's that? Oh, yeah, man. I know. I spent the money my mom gave me for voice lessons. Right? But let me just say this to you. What about the can't list? Maybe this maybe doesn't have you in this category, but maybe you need to write your own list. But here's a can't list. I can't stop overeating. I can't stop overeating. Can't. I can't. Here's another one. I can't find the time to pray. If you can't pray, you're too busy to pray because, man, you can pray in your car. You can pray when you're walking. You can pray in your sleep. You can God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He can talk to you whenever you are. I can't. And all along as you say you can't, you're cutting off your limbs or your intimacy with God. I can't communicate with my spouse. 
Woo. Let me just tell you this. I hear this one all the time. And you know what I hear all the time? I hear this all the time. They come together and try to communicate. And what they do is they in the, in the boxing ring, they're in the ring. And they get toe-to-toe in the center of the ring. And here's how they communicate. And they think they got things accomplished. And then they go to their corners. And you know what I see? Each one is wounded by maybe the words that were said, things that were done. And we go to our corners thinking that it's done. When all actuality, they're wounded. I remember we had this great dog. His name was Trix. My mother, <laughs> I always had to prepare my girlfriend, Cheryl, before I went to introduce her to my family. We had a, he was a wiener dog. And my mother called him Trix. And Trix had a bad habit. Trix was a dog that he had the walking farts. I, I'm not kidding you. I, I'm not kidding you. He was the craziest dog. He had the walking farts. But my mom took advantage of that. So whenever she had the walking farts, Trix. I mean to tell you, my mom. So I told Cheryl, I said, honey, I'm just going to tell you right now. My mom has the walking farts, but she's going to blame it on the dog. So sure enough, I got a point to this. Hold on. Sure, sure enough, we get to the house. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. You asked Cheryl. I wish she was there. I wish she used to tell you the story. We get to the house. My mom's in her robe. The dog's on my, my, my mom's leg. And we get no sooner in the kitchen. And I told Cheryl in advance. And all of a sudden, my mom, tricks. And you know what that t- poor dog did because he was so used to it? That dog. I didn't do it. You should have seen that dog. He was so scared he really did do it. She squeezed it out of him. And you know what? A lot of times what we do is we cut off communications by yelling at our spouses, tricks. And we blame it on one another. Now, here's the point. And when you do that, it passes gas. And it makes the situation stink. (laughs) My point to you is, who's going to take off the gloves so you can communicate? Another one, I can't discipline my kids. Spare the rod or spoil the child. I told the story in the first service. Check this out, I kid you not. I wear a pretty thick belt. I had a brown one very similar to this one. And my kids knew exactly where my belt was. So when my kids would get out of hand, hey, I'll tell you one thing. If they messed around, you know the boundaries, you cross over the boundaries, you're going to get it. Right? I didn't have a problem with that. Put me in jail if you want, but I didn't have a problem with it. Right? So my son CJ messed up. So he went to my closet. He took my belt off that hook there. And you know what he did? What he did, check this out, Levi. You know what he did, Zach? He took a blue ink pen, and on the inside of my belt, he said, Lord, please help my daddy not to hit me too hard. <laughs> so when he handed me the belt, all inside my belt was, Lord, please help my daddy not to hit me too hard. So every time I went to spank my kids, I had to think about that. <laughs> Made me have to soften it up a little bit. But the point is, listen. I can't discipline. 
can't. Here's another one. I can't believe God for his promises. How many of you have ever said that? And a lot of times you can't believe God for his promises because you've taken in yesterday's baggage into your new experience with God. And because maybe you're a physical father or maybe a person in your life that has hurt you, you got God at an arm's length. Beth Midler used to play the song and still sings the song, God is watching you, God is watching you. But you know what she said? From a distance, I don't serve a distant God. I serve an intimate God. And he dwells with me. He lives with me. He walks with me along life narrow away. And I got to wrap this up. I can't. If you're honest, you know these statements are not true. They are nothing but weak excuses. I close with this until Andrew, wherever you're at. Watch this. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Watch this. But Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. In other words, I can't. Stop it. Stop that. That's the worst killer that will put you in park before you even get going, if that's in your vocabulary. You must go to everyone I send you to, to and say whatever I command you. But watch this. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. God is telling you, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I am with you. Philippians 4.13, I can, you can, we can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's about time you take your can't list and start saying can list. I can. I can, Dan. I can. I can. I can. If you start th saying to yourself, I think I can, I think I can, eventually it's going to turn into I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. Will you stand with me today? Look at that. And you go through the whole thing. Praise the Lord. And I'm right on time. My wife said to me, said, honey, I love listening to you preach, but you go too long. I'm trying to be faithful to my wife because I want to kiss goodnight tonight, right? right? Right, Kevin? I love the little wiggle in her walk, the way she cuddles on my shoulders. But you're too young to know the score. So come back when you're older. You don't know that either, right? Donnie and Marie Osmond. You don't know that. Yeah, okay. I'm doing that to shake you up for a moment, Matt. Matt, you have so much ability. I tell you this every time. The reason why I love it, you're teaching small groups, because I'm trying to pull that out of you. Someday I see you working alongside us. You heard that from the pulpit. I believe in that kid. I really do. Because you got to reverse the curse, Jamie. You can. Gail, you've had some hard times. I know your story. But you can, Gail. 
You can. You can if you believe. If you believe. Can I pray over you this morning? I always like to deposit into people's lives, Terry. I'll tell you, this is a great man right here. I'll tell you, this dude is unbelievable. Get to know Terry. You want to know some great guy right there. Get to know that guy. Unbelievable. Fun to get to know him. But let me deposit into your life. Can we do that? Robin, let me deposit in your life. Just to deposit in you. Put your hands out now. Come on, get ready to receive. Come on. You got to open up to receive. Now let me deposit in your life today. Father, in the name of Jesus right now. We let go of the excuses that only hold us back and bind us and keep us from the victories, from the promises in our lives. Today we make the choice to let them go. And I deposit, Father, into their lives right now, God. I deposit the powerful anointing, the presence, the Spirit of God to take over them from the crowns of their head to the soles of their feet, that they will walk out of here knowing that they're more than a conqueror, that greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world. It's not by might nor by power, but by thy Spirit that lives and moves and dwells within them, that God, today we make a choice to stop making excuses, and we say to you, God, I will go. I will go, I will do that what you call me to go and do. That, God, we're going to stop making excuses because we're not going to forfeit. We're not going to give up. We're not going to sacrifice the blessings and the promises that you have in store for us because we're stopping the excuses and we're going to put feet under our faith and we're going to go. And I pray that in Jesus' name. And I pray. If your spouse is here, grab your spouse's hand right now. I want to pray over marriages. Cheryl and I are doing a marriage thing on February 12th, and we're going to be speaking to couples, and I want to pray over you. Father, I pray over the couples here today. I know that it's tough. Father, I know it's tough. It's not easy in this world today with all what's going on in our society, with mom and dad having to work and the pressures of paying the bills, and man, even just saying hi, goodbye, and not getting a chance to spend time with each other because they're just crossing in the night. But I pray over every marriage here today, and I cover them with the blood. I place the hedge of protection about them. When the enemy's intended the bad, to separate, divide, and break apart marriages, I speak to that and say enough is enough in Jesus' name. That, God, that they will rise up and they will live together as one. God, knowing that two or three agree, it shall be done. That they're walking together with their dreams, their goals, and their visions together as one. So, Father, bless them. Bless the single ones here today. May they feel not alone but may they feel loved and accepted and blessed because you are with them. We thank you, Father, for this wonderful church. Now go with us today, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Can we do that? Amen. God bless you today. God bless you. Love you in Jesus. Truly do. Marissa, I'm so happy for you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.